Hello, everyone. I'm Jen, and welcome to another episode of Monogamish Pod. It is the first episode back after the hiatus, and what you're thinking. Girl, where have you been? It's been a long ass time, and the answer is yes, it has. And I have been busy because your girl has been working. But employment sucks. I hate it. I've been working this whole time, by the way, but I was doing different things. I went back to a more demanding job, and let's just say I'm doing it for a very particular reason. And that's that. So, <laughs> for this episode back, you would think I would come up some supersized episode content. But honestly, that's not quite what's happening today. I do have an interview to play for you later in the episode with my special guest, Rowdy, to talk about his journey. See, I said his. Into polyamory and kink and how kink has helped him access his polyamory. It was very interesting. I will play that interview clip for you in a bit. Until then, let's catch up. Your girl was in New York for about a month for a work thing. I don't live in New York. So that meant like staying with people. Great friends, of course. Great friends of the pod as well. It didn't really offer the best environment for recording. It wasn't like I could just pop out my mic and stuff and be like, I'm sorry, could you be quiet for an hour so I could record my podcast? No, that's not how that goes. So I decided to focus on work and spending time with my friends instead of recording podcasts for y'all. And if you were on the Patreon... You did get a very unhinged podcast episode this week, just putting that out there, giving you an update on my personal life, and that was mm, a thing. A lot of things going on there. Health-wise, I'm still, I'm better. I'm a little bit better. Not great, going through it. I did have a moment of, like, my body breaking down on me a little bit a couple weeks ago, just, like, sheer exhaustion. I was sick. I could barely keep food down. It wasn't COVID. It wasn't monkeypox or anything like that. It was just, like, my body was like, "Mm." should sit down and so I did for a few days and that helped a bit I had other stuff going on as well that I had to take care of celebrated a time with a good friend for their birthday got exposed to COVID-19 tested negative the whole time so I still stayed in the house and my precautions all those things now I'm back in the real world of sorts but while I was gone there were some interesting things happening in the news polyamory Can we talk briefly about this cruise ship brawl situation? Because apparently some brawl that involved 50 or 60 people broke out on a carnival cruise because of an alleged threesome? Like, I had so many questions just like hearing about this and reading this and it was our people it was our people that's what happened there is a video of it going around online of course i will link to it in the detailed show notes on the website as per usual but it seemed there was some kind of threesome that occurred and one partner the one who wasn't invited confronted the other people on the dance floor in the club on the ship And then they were, like, pushing each other, starting to fight. And so, apparently, this fight went five floors on the ship. And it lasted for over an hour. I don't understand what all this stuff was. But, of course, I was in that club. There's alcohol, probably smashed beer bottles, all these things. They were talking about some minor injuries from, like, cuts from bottles and things. But I just... We out here dusted up over three sums on cruise ships now, apparently. And I am... (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't even know what to do. So I have a lot more questions about the actual alleged threesome that took place. So were you asleep in bed when your partner snuck out to hook up with another couple? Were you out at the club and your partner said they were going back to the room, but they went to the other couple's room? Like, where? I want to know, like, the level. What happened here? What actually happened? Why actually are we fighting? But I don't think they're going to tell me. I don't think they're going to tell me. If y'all know who was involved, tell them to hit my line and give me the insider info. They don't got to identify themselves. I just want to know. So they can just tell me. They can tell me. It's fine. Well, I'm cool. With, they, can, they can tell me. You know what I'm saying? They can tell me. That's number one. Number two, apparently vabbing is back in the news. Because, so vabbing, people who don't know, is using your natural secretions from your special place as perfume for pheromones or whatever to attract partners i guess now shan booty had talked about this a couple years ago mentioned it in her book as well i think in the game of desire and now some white people are talking about it on tiktok and it's now newsworthy again oh my god this new thing people are doing vabbing and i'm like new no I'm sure people have been doing this for a long ass time. Someone mentioned it to me recently. They were like, oh yeah, that's that whole hoodoo thing. And you try to tie a man or something like that. And I was like, oh, I thought that was sweat rice. And they were like, what is sweat rice? It's like, like when you're cooking a pot of rice and you just steam your special bits <laughs> over the pot of rice and let the natural juices flow into the pot. And then the person eats it. There are people out here doing stuff. So be careful. This is why you can't eat from everybody. Do you think Vabbing was involved in this threesome, bro? Because that's a whole nother level to it. And then, like, on top of everything else that's going on right now, it's also COVID is still a thing. We're all still, like I said, I was exposed to COVID because four of my friends got it. And I was just with those four people. And some other people who I wasn't around also have it because this new variant is spicy. Oh my God. And it is ripping through people like so quickly. You are testing positive within two days of exposure. Like you're feeling so tired and testing positive. It's wild. But I have noticed the at-home tests are not necessarily picking it up, which is an interesting thing, right? I'm sure the people who know more about the sciencey stuff to this than I do, but Certain variants don't pick up well on these at-home COVID tests. So that's something to think about. If you have symptoms, then you need to go and get a PCR test. And you need to verify that you are actually negative for COVID-19. And it's like a sinus infection or an allergy or whatever. Because if you don't, you're just out there spreading the wrong people. And then also in fun news, monkeypox is a thing. And there is a lot of it. A lot of people have it. It is super contagious, apparently. I, I gotta be inside. I'm not trying to get monkeypox. I'm not trying to get COVID. I'm not trying to do any of these things. I work. I sit my ass inside my house. Occasionally I see my friends and that's it. There's just a lot fucking going on. There's a lot going on. And this is just in the past like week or two. This cruise ship brawl, they posted about this on June 30th. <laughs> Let's not even talk about this Roe v. Wade situation and everything relating to that. So think I've talked your ear off for about 
10 or so minutes now. I'm not actually watching the timer as I record this. So now that you're kind of quick catch up, if you want more details about my personal life redating, you can head on over to patreon.com slash pod. Subscribe, get the bonus episodes, listen to the things, read the blog posts, all of that. So now, without further ado, let's talk to Rowdy about his journey into polyamory and kink and how Sexaholics Anonymous fits into that equation. There we go. I have a guest with me. When I don't have guests, I think you all don't like those episodes, just to let you know, because they get way less downloads and plays. I'm like, wow, you hate the sound of my voice that much? That's why I bring people on here. So, you know, it's, I'm not alone all the time and I get better plays. So today with me, I have Rowdy. Rowdy, I actually met randomly at a house party. <laughs> it was a games That's night. <laughs> it was a games night. I made friends. That's what I do. And then I went to an event at a, what, 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 dungeon. what we, a dungeon. A dungeon. See, we called the crucible a dungeon. I went to the crucible and there they were again. I was like, Oh my God, what are you doing here? This makes sense. Considering how I met you. Rowdy, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? How's it going, everyone? Happy to be here. I have been polyamorous ethically for 10 years now, and I run, I co-run a group called Black and Kinky in DC. It's sort of like educational and kink space for POCs to, you know, become more comfortable in the kinky community, which is predominantly white. And I've got three really dope partners. And yeah, I am an extroverted extrovert. Living his best life. That's what he's doing. Living his best life. So thank you for agreeing to be on the pod today. Of course, I brought you here to talk about yourself with some carefully guided questions by yours truly. And by carefully guided, I mean, I ask them usually on the fly. So we're just going to roll with it. Said you've been ethically polyamorous for about 10 years, but what about prior to 10 years? Were you just not practicing polyamory at all? Or would you say it was more like, you know, in these streets, just I playing around. I was you were a cheater. A cheater. Um, I wouldn't say I was in these streets. I always have sought relationships. Yeah, I, I have never really been like a one and done kind of guy. You know, if it's good, I want it as much as possible. And that applies to all things in my life. But yeah, I was, was not really understanding the monogamous thing well. I tried to fake it a bunch of times and it, it, never, it never fit me. And I'd never heard of polyamory or or open relationships. And so I just, I just like ruined several relationships as a result of my, you know, behavior and generally felt like a scumbag. And after my first marriage went down, I ended up in some marriage counseling where we, we tried to like figure it out. And the marriage counselor told me that he thought that I had a sex addiction. And so I willingly went to Sexaholics Anonymous to, you know, do some group therapy. And I was like, these motherfuckers have sex addictions. I just need to be honest with my partners. And that was a very valuable lesson. And I started being honest with the people I was meeting. And, you know, my, my story blossoms from there. Oh, okay. All right. So this is not really related to polyamory, but what is Sexaholics Anonymous like? I don't want the details, of course. We don't want anyone's private information. But what is that experience like? I mean, of course, when I personally had never been to any kind of anonymous meeting. So all I see on TV is the, hey, I'm Jerry and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> that yeah, kind of thing. That is, is that how it? it is. That, that is how it is. And there's like, you know, it's a, it's sort of like a faith-based, all the, all the anonymous, you know, 
drugs anonymous, alcoholics anonymous. There's like a, like a shoplifters anonymous. There's like, you know, there's, there's a ton of them. And all of them sort of follow this like faith-based program where you kind of like start by like being like radically honest about your journey and like what your triggers are. And of course, you've got to like aggressively give up whatever the vice is, right? Obviously you can't drink in AA and in Sexaholics Anonymous, you can't have an orgasm unless it's with your spouse. Right? Wait, so of course, yeah. no masturbating? No masturbating. And you know, you, you ever seen the, you ever seen the chip? They give like a chip. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get a chip based on like how each month, like of no masturbating or no having sex outside of marriage, you get a chip and, and, and side note, none of the motherfuckers in their spouses want to have sex with them. Like exactly. they're in trouble. <laughs> like that's, the, that's kind of the point, right? You're going to sexaholics anonymous because you have violated the sexual boundaries of your relationships and so as a result your partners no longer trust you and yes, so they don't exactly. want to engage with you exactly it was bad but i was you know i was dialed in because i i don't do things halfway and so i was you know doing it and and i remember several times i got to the point where if i was aroused and my pants were tight i could have an orgasm i, I mean... could bring myself to orgasm spontaneously just from the friction between my dick and my pants. That sounds like a skill, to be honest. I mean, it was I don't see that the first as a bad thing. Times, <laughs> it was impressive. And I was like torn between like whether I should acknowledge that in the in the session or not. I did not. Yeah, I, they don't need to know all that. Like, because technically it wasn't like an induced orgasm. It just happened. It's like a wet dream. Do you classify wet dreams in the thing? No, yes. you don't. Very lucid. And, and I ended up going like, like several months, multiple times I did, I'd stayed in the program, you know, for like a year and a half, just cause it was, it was interesting. You know what I mean? It was interesting to be able to be in this open and honest space. And it was like wild hearing their stories. It was very entertaining. Yeah. And so I, I would go like two, three months at a time without masturbating. It was crazy. I mean, so this is now, it's going to dive a little bit sexual for just a moment. Does this play into any kind of sexual preference now? Like, are you into edging or anything oh, like that? Great question. Yeah. So I am into edging now. And from that time, I've been very intentional about being like a, a better lover, if you will. I was a very, very selfish lover previously, sort of like not prioritizing my partner's orgasms. And now, you know, I want to go the distance. I want to go the distance and and make sure my partner has several orgasms before I do. And so I, I do practice edging now, not for like weeks at a time, like some of these people out here, but yeah, every, every time I masturbate, I like to edge myself a couple times before, before I finish. See, and I, it just, helps. I knew it. Helps. It. it does help, but smart. I knew it. How did you... I, I knew it. I put those thoughts together. I'm like, huh, if they're making you do this and you did this program for X amount of time. This sounds like something that would have developed as a result of that. Yeah, that was very astute of you. I didn't even know the term edging back then. This is all, this all happened like five or six years before I learned any of the terminology. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good to know. Okay. I'm going to pull it back now. I'm stopping sexual for just a minute. Let's, let's talk more about you and your life and your journey. So you sure, did sure. Sexaholics Anonymous. Obviously you were not a sexaholic. You've definitely confessed that. You're just like, I'm just, I was just a cheater, which is fine. 
So you completed the program, you're out there in the world, you're dating. I assume there was like a ban also on like dating since you're supposed to only be with one person while you're in the program. So how does this experience there translate into your dating life at that time? Are you practicing the same radical honesty? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be sleeping with multiple people. I'm dating multiple people. This is the life. Or did you kind of revert a bit? No, no, no. Once I came out of that program and still to this day, like when I, when I meet someone and I'm having like a positive interaction with them that is, you know, leading towards like the whole, like, oh, let's exchange information. Not, not so much now in kink, you know, you don't have to be like, oh, by the way, I'm polyamorous. But outside of kink, I can't wait to tell people that I'm polyamorous, right? And for like a lot of men out here who, who could be living their best lives along with me, that is a really scary prospect to like, to be vibing with somebody and then to have to say, I am not single. I'm dating someone else. That, Cause that's a, that's a deal breaker a lot of times, but it's, but it, it doesn't matter. I don't want to, I don't even want to engage intimately with someone who isn't like fully on the same page with where I'm going and, and somebody who doesn't respect my other relationships. Yeah. yeah that so makes right, sense. right out the gate, as soon as we're vibing, I like for people to know right away. I actually, I actually did have to pull back a little bit. Cause I was like, not everyone needs to know about this thing. Like for example, Married women don't really want to talk about polyamory. They don't want their husbands talking to me about polyamory, really. You know, and I'm not speaking for all married women, but, you know, that's what I have learned. We don't want to put any ideas in anyone's head, especially if you're tied into this monogamous structure, right? Our society works in a way where, you know, it's a patriarchal society. It benefits especially straight people, straight people who are married. That's, That's kind of the ideal, so if you start talking to people and they're like, huh, I've been a cheater all this time, but I could actually potentially be polyamorous. I'm not saying if a cheater should deserve to be poly because some people cheat just for the sake of cheating. It's not the same thing. It's a power situation. Yeah. But for those people who are genuinely struggling with monogamy and not sure why, polyamory is an option. But then when you look at I'll take Jamaica, for example. There's a lot of, of course, like I said, cishet patriarchal ideas. Men are supposed to have multiple girlfriends. That is what it is. A woman even breathes in the same room as another man. And that's not how that's supposed to go. That's World War III, right? So when you place women in that vulnerable position of having to be constantly, I guess, this verse of themselves to uphold the patriarchal standards and maintain this intense monogamous relationship, and you give men these options... It's not, it's not going to go well for either party in the long run. No, it's true. It's true. And like, I don't want to like get in trouble, but I have, I have learned through experience that even in my poly circles, while my partners like are open to, you know, dating other people, like by and large, like they, they are not out in these streets the same way that I am, for example, Mm. um, you know, the, the, the women that I have partnered with really, yeah, they, they haven't really sought to be, you know, in multiple different beds, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But so they're, they feel fulfilled by you, despite you having a schedule that you have to maintain with multiple partners. That That is how it seemed. Hey, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So let's, let's talk a bit about how you fell into your current romantic dynamic. I mean, do you have a hierarchy in place in your relationship? Like, and I say hierarchy in a sense where I don't always mean like, oh, I don't mean hierarchical. If you live with someone, there is also an inherent hierarchy that comes with that. If you have kids with someone, there's a hierarchy that comes with that. So 
are there any hierarchies present in your yes. relationships at the moment? I appreciate you clarifying that because like the, the term hierarchy or hier- hierarchical, you know, is a little bit triggering, but, but, it, but yes, yes. You know, I'm, I'm married. My, my wife is vanilla and supports my journey, but is not in the lifestyle. She, I like for her to meet my partners like at least once or twice. So they, they can see like, you know, the, the marriage and how much I, I love her, but yeah, so there, there is sort of like a, a built-in hierarchy there. You know, my, my, my wife's needs, you know, do come first. However, however, if like I'm out to dinner with my wife or, you know, we're doing something and one of my partners is having like an emergency, you know, my wife wants me to go and attend to them. So it's not like, sorry, I can't help you with this emergency because I'm out to dinner. You know what I'm saying? My, my wife understands that. And she's, she's amazing. It's crazy. She doesn't experience jealousy. Neither do I. That's crazy. <laughs> I Okay. I was, I experienced jealousy with my friends, not with my romantic partners. And so for me, jealousy is like very focused. And I know part of that is related to the big T trauma. That's life. Right. But I'm very aware of where my jealousy comes in. Like if my best friend posts a picture on Instagram, like, oh yeah, out having brunch. Who the fuck are you having brunch with? Why are you eating food with other people? Wow. What's this about? And, and it, we're, I'm obviously joking to an extent, so it's not like whatever, but there is like a, a little ping that happens like in my she heart. <laughs> and she knows me. She knows me. So usually I'd be like, who the fuck are you having brunch with? She'd be like, oh my God, you're being so dramatic. Yes, I am. Who it is? I can ping your phone right now. We're on Find My Friends for a reason. I know exactly where you are. I will go oh, on wow. Instagram and look and see who's there. I really won't. I'm too lazy for that. But look, I know you're triggered because the accent's coming out. Right? I'm just like, like, who are these people? They're not me. So, but like with my romantic partner, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going on a date. I was like, okay, bet. Like, bye. <laughs> bye. I'll talk to you after your date. Do not look at your phone while you're on this date, by the way. That's rude. Just, you know, wow. sometimes. Oh no. Cause I tell people, it's like, sometimes if I'm watching TikToks and I send you a funny TikTok and you're on a date, don't respond. I'm only sending it to you. So you know, to look at it later. Don't be like, oh, I'm in the bathroom. Like your TikTok is so funny. No, focus on the person that you're in front of. So I'm very happy to report that I am intentionally working towards those feelings, right? The, the com- compersion. It's something that's been super elusive and difficult to rein in, but I, I've been really active about it recently and I'm making some very active steps on that journey. Do you feel like you need to have compersion or is it something that you genuinely just want for yourself? I don't want to be as jealous and insecure as I've been in the past. You know, I've got mm-hmm. 15 years of, you know, being a, a cheater and 10 years of being ethically non-monogamous, right? So I still, I still have some, 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 you know, some struggles. We, I'm sure we all do. That is one of mine. I, I truly want to be like happy when my partners are experiencing something good. And it's something that I've like, been training myself to experience it doesn't come gotcha. no i mean and for some people it really doesn't and but i'm always like that's okay compersion is not like oh to be super poly and be super great you have to be on this end of the scale sometimes you just gotta feel jealousy as long as you acknowledge where those feelings are coming from you don't make them someone else's problem if they haven't done anything wrong i feel as if it's okay if you don't make it to that point if you try to tell me about compersion for my friendships no <laughs> that's it just no that's not how that works. Thank you, though. I, I, and yeah. I know that, and I'm entitled to feel those feelings. They're not anyone else's fault or anyone else's problem. None of my friends have done anything to make me feel this way. 
this is my own personal journey that I'm supposed to be on or whatever. And I'm comfortable enough to say it's, it's not going to be completed with compersion. <laughs> you know what? Identifying that those feelings come from within is critical, right? I was having this conversation with somebody today that, you know, when people are experiencing jealousy, they're looking for external solutions, like, you know, to address an internal problem. They want their partners to change their behavior to address an internal problem. And this is something that I learned in, in a, a book that I'm leading a book club on again. I'm not going to name the book because one of the authors is problematic. I mean, I think we all know what book it is once you say one of the authors is problematic. And I, I will just say it. It's more than two. Rowdy's leading a book club about more than two. We all know about the allegations against Franklin Vo. We don't need to go there. It doesn't it's one of those things where can you separate the artist from the art? Like, are there other texts that can are doing the same thing that don't have problematic authors? I just say, you know, be aware of where the source material is coming from. It doesn't mean there's nothing of value in the book in particular. Yes. There, there, there are a lot of things of value in the book. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. They are not the only author of the book. They also worked with someone else. <laughs> so we give that person their flowers as well. But yeah, I mean, I think that there are not enough books about polyamory from a black perspective either, right? And it it it's curious. As as a person who personally does not date non-people of color, and I'm very like intentional also about people of color in that spectrum who I do date. It's like I I am very particular. I pretty much I don't date white people. Everyone who's on this podcast knows this, okay? I don't date white people. And I have a weakness for gingers, which is very awkward in lots of different ways. Oh, I love gingers. I've never fully capitalized on my interest in gingers, but I have, I have, <laughs> but yeah, so th there's that element of it as well. Right. But in romantic partnerships, I don't. And I'm also very intentional that there are very few white people I've even had sex with, like it's less than five. And I'm very much like, uh, okay, I did a lot of research before we even got to this point. Like I asked you a lot of questions and especially like as black people, we know the coded questions to ask that white people don't realize give racist answers and they give themselves away. So I asked all the right questions. We had great conversations and I was like, okay, you can try it. Only one time though. We tried it the first time and if it goes well, then I guess we can try it again. But you gotta vet your people. You gotta vet your people. Absolutely. I say all this to come back to the book point, right? There are not a lot of books written by Black people in the polyamorous space talking about polyamory. And I want to see more of those. Are you going to write a book, Rowdy? Tell me. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. People have been telling me I need to write a book for over 10 years. And, yeah. you know, while 10 years ago, I would have been sure that that book really just would have been like a salacious account of my experiences. You know, now I want, I want to write almost like a self-help book on people who you know, it's really, it's really targeted at men. I know like, you know, with the gender non-binary like that, that could be a, a tricky statement, but really my focus is on making men less toxic. Not that all men are toxic, not that only men are toxic, but you know, my, through my lens, I have, I have come to learn from my lens, but through the lens of my partners, that there are a lot of toxic men out here that are, that are fucking it up for all of us. And, you know, if, if I could in any, any person with a, you know, who's willing to listen and potentially consider these things, I want to explain like how they could live like a more, a more thoughtful experience and, and, and to, and to, and to rein in the fruits of that. You know what I mean? Being okay. radically honest and yeah. 
with themselves, like getting some mm-hmm. therapy too. Okay. All right. So you've got big plans, big yeah. plans. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. it. And I think your dynamic is also interesting, right? Because, you know, you're dating multiple women. One of them is vanilla as your wife, I guess your wife is vanilla, but you have two other partners who are also seem to not be dating as much, not engaging in romantic relationships as much. Do they identify as polyamorous, your other two partners? This is hilarious. In the last 10 years, the majority of my partners have not identified as polyamorous. Oh, what about any kind of non-monogamous instance, like anything in that space at all? No, so I have, I've had a couple. I've had a couple partners who who have identified as polyamorous. But yeah, that is that is not the norm. And so really, it's kind of like been like people sort of like on this ride with me, people experimenting along with me, which has been really cool. But yeah, but several people have identified as, as being polyamorous. And I've had some really cool metamors. I, I have a metamor who like I'm still cool with. And uh, yeah. What was the question? Are your partners poly as well, or is it just okay, you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, they no. they they run the spectrum. Okay, all right. So you say they're not really dating other people. That must be difficult. They, they, like, so so my current two partners mm-hmm. are like seeing other people. Okay, and, that, and that's that's been a this is a this is like kind of a first. Not not a, maybe the second time. This is the, the second time that I've dated people who are actively dating other people. But I, I certainly am and. and way more chill about it than I have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, yeah. was going to tie it back to the jealousy question. Who told you? Are you reading my notes, Rowdy? <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> but it, I, mean, I think it's good that you're having this experience as, as rare as it is. You seem to attract, in a sense, monogamous women. Why do you think that is? Oh, man, you're going to make my toxic masculinity poke its head out. It's okay. I'd love to see it. Tell me. So making blanket statements, and that's problematic to start with, okay? But- in my experience, from the, the people that I date, it has seemed like women tend to lean a little bit more monogamous and men tend to lean a little bit more polyamorous. And so other, other than that, I don't really understand or know how this is happening. They write my current three partners all were born in August. I don't know. You, you attract Leo's? Leos and Virgos almost exclusively. Mm, we're going to have to talk about, I'm a Scorpio. Thank you very much. But we're going to have to have a conversation separately with my astrologer, who's also polyamorous, talk about your birth chart and why you keep attracting who you do. Just because I'm curious now. We're going to put that aside for a later conversation. Sure. But- so I just want to throw this log on the fire real quick. If, I, if I've had 15 partners, like serious, serious partners over six months, okay, I would say 10 of those partners were born in August or September. Two of those partners were born within a week of my birthday in late June. And uh, yeah, I don't even know, I don't even know if I can name three more that weren't that were that I dated for longer than six months whose birthdays were outside of that window. I'd have to go back like 15 years, hmm. 20 years. So you are mm-hmm. a cancer? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's I- crazy. It is crazy. Hmm. Also, happy belated birthday. I know it, it Thank happened. You. So I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that. Yes, yeah, to the point where if I'm vibing with somebody and uh, like things are trending well, if they tell me that their birthday's in August or September, I'm like, we go together. You go together. That's it. We That's the together. end of it right there. <laughs> so so tie it back year. to jealousy. Tie it back to jealousy. Tying back that way. So you're now experiencing this for the second time. We'll call it the second time as like a serious relationship where your partner's having other partners. You're not taking it as badly as you previously would have, you said, Mm -hmm. but are there still feelings of 
that kind of like jealousy and discomfort that come up for you sometimes? My previous two relationships, like the same week ended due to my jealousy and insecurity largely. And they were fantastic relationships with really dope people. And I, I was emotional. I was stressed out, you know, for some life stuff too, but I responded really poorly to some new situations that they were engaging in. And uh, it effectively ended and ruined those relationships at the time. And, you know, I, I don't want to lose out on amazing people because I couldn't rein my, you know, insecurities in. And so I've really leaned far into that this time around. And I'm working hard to, to, to support and encourage them to, to get out there. Like my, one of my partners, you know, she ultimately wants to be in a marriage with children one day. She's younger. Uh, and, and because I know that I can't offer that to her, you know, I, I've been the one to encourage her to continue to date. And uh, that's been hard, but it's been, it's been rewarding. And then my, mm. my, my current girl, my newest girlfriend, you know, she, she had a couple people she was dealing with coming in the door. And even though I have sort of moved quickly towards like an official relationship, you know, she's still, she's still seeing, you know, these people. And one of them in particular, like, you know, I think he's cool. Like, you know, the bond that they have is real cool. And I, you know, I don't feel threatened. And, and you know what? I got to trust the people who I love, the people that they're bringing into our circle, right? Yep. I have to trust that they are making a good decision. And that has, that has been rewarding. Of course, of course. And so I want to come back to your the first partner you mentioned just for a moment. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're currently legally married to someone else. You definitely can't give them marriage. Are children on the table for the two of you? No? Mm-mm, mm-mm. There was a time where I was entertaining the idea of various childbearing options with people. But yeah, I, I'm trying to slam the door shut on having more kids. You're like vasectomy, here I come, snip, snip. I know, I know, I know. I'm overdue for one. And then because I didn't get one a few years ago like I was supposed to, my you know, my, my wife took that as a signal that I wanted to have more kids subconsciously. And so I, I think gotta... I think the same thing. So my thing is that if you really want if you really didn't want more kids, you would have had it already. There's like it that's what, that's what I can see why she would feel that way. Cause if you were talking about it years ago and you didn't do it. That would be what would come to my mind as well. It's like, oh, so you try to shut up this club and make a baby. Okay. I want you to I want you to remember one little fun fact, okay? Officially not having kids means having my balls cut open. I just want to just put that out there. I'm gonna remind people, you know, my scrotum, but mm-hmm. uh, you know. Okay, and it's not it's not as bad as childbirth for vagina holders. Oh, 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 oh I am, so oh, I am just saying, not saying that. It, I am it's not a day saying procedure that. for you. You get to nothing go home the same day. It is not that bad. I'd like to say bad. to everyone with a vagina that nothing is more intense than childbirth. Like, I mean, you get to go home the same day. It's an outpatient procedure to get a vasectomy. It's not that bad. You, you can hip, heal I'm from hip. that I, real quick. I, I, need to, I need to get it done. Actually, I'll be the 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 third of my three brothers to get it done. Shout out to all y'all for making that choice for yourselves and for your families. And I'm just saying that when you're having condomless intercourse with vagina holders and you can express yourself internally without <laughs> worries about making a tiny alien, I imagine it feels better. Yeah, so right now I'm team Trojan. Team Trojan. Okay. Not really, not really Trojan. That just, you know, yeah. the, the alliteration the was right there. <laughs> I get it. That's just the brand, the brand that comes out. So what was it like meeting your wife? 
you've come into this, you know, intentional, radical honesty space. You're exploring non-monogamous interactions in a more official way. So paint that scene for me. You met her when you were already going through that process and you were kind of like, hey, so I'm going to be out here. It was the beginning of that process. And I didn't know what an open relationship was. I didn't know what polyamory was. All I knew was that I needed to communicate with people that I desired to sleep with other people. And so I met her like at a bar, you know, we, there was a March Madness event. She was a friend of a friend of a friend and, you know, we hit it off right away and, you know, we were, you know, past all the vibe checks and we agreed to see each other the next day. And she sat me on her couch and I'm pretty sure that she asked me if I was, you know, if I was single or if I was, you know, dating other people. And I boldly told her that I was like seeing a couple of people and that I thought that our early chemistry was amazing. It was off the charts. We like, we just, we clicked in a way that is universal. It's on some cosmic type shit. And, and I was like, we're, we're going strong right now. And I I can see this going very far, but I just like, you should know that like, you would not be the last person that I have sex with. And that does not, that does not impact this strong feeling I have for you at all. And uh, it's been a journey. It has been a journey. You know, we, we, you know, I fuck up and have to apologize and, and, and re and rethink my behaviors. And, you know, sometimes, she, you know, she says things that are hurtful. And so it's like, you know, no relationship is easy. We've been very intentional about this. I don't want to paint the picture. Like this polyamory journey has been, you know, so easy because it has not, you know, we've had to read and study and, you know, be in touch with emotions that are hard and challenge each other. And it's, it's been amazing. It's been, it's been worth it, but it has not been easy. No, I I don't imagine it is as an unmarried person. I can't, I can't quite relate to opening a relationship up when you're already on the path to marriage or already married to someone. I can only talk about, Hey, I've been single my whole life, according to the government anyway. And so I just be doing what I want. (laughs) You know, I mean, yeah, I, I was in a relationship when I announced that I wanted more diversity but my diversity was i miss pussy and you a man so free up my bisexuality please and thanks <laughs> but I, I imagine you know there are a lot of a lot of men that might want to hear that it, i imagine that there are too but i mean it was about me free my, not about them not about our relationship it was very much like a i would like to date and fuck other women i don't know what you're gonna do but this is what i'm gonna do <laughs> And it has nothing to do with you. And there was a very clear divide in that, like, this is me with other vagina holders or other women at the time. Like, this is me and them. This is not an us having a threesome or you getting to masturbate to this moment kind of thing. And then we did have threesomes separately, aside from that. But, you know, there are Separately and together or just separately? No, I mean, like, I mean, separate aside from my interactions with, with women, we did have threesomes oh, okay. as well. Also, did you know that there are some men who don't like that women are bisexual and like, don't Yes, yes. It's, you know, like, I, I respect everyone's choice out here, as long as they're acting consensually. But yeah, that- yes. And it, it goes against everything that you're taught that men want, right? <laughs> like, you're sitting there, you're like, oh my God, I'm bisexual. Okay, well, I do want a threesome. If I come out to my husband, like, it's going to go great. And then your husband is like, you know, what, I do know, I do know a couple of dudes whose 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 girlfriends have and wives have left them for women. So it's an insecurity thing. I, I suppose, yeah, I suppose. 
so, and I will say this because a lot of, we, we all know that biphobia towards men is rooted in homophobia and we all know that. So I've heard that a lot from women about dating bi men. Like, oh, well, you know, I can't compete with a dick or like if he likes dick, then he's really gay. And I feel as if there are some men, of course, who have the same thoughts about women. Like, oh, I can't compete with pussy. She likes pussy. It's going to be this. And then as a bisexual woman, when you're trying to date other women, they're like, oh, well, you date men? Oh, well, obviously you're just going to leave me for a man. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, this is messy. <laughs> and so you're in a space where it's like, oh, who wants me though? <laughs> like, what's going on? I, I thought that I was good. I thought that coming out to the partner that I was with, that this is how I felt, was going to be great. And now I'm just single all the time. There's every reason to be insecure about a thing. You could be insecure because somebody is giving your partner something that you can't give them. You could be insecure because somebody's giving your partner the thing that you give them, but differently or better. I mean, it just, I remember I told, um, I told my new girlfriend early on just to like lean into the, the, the radical honesty and compersion that no matter what she did with other people, if she was still excited to do things with me, we weren't going to have a problem. Exactly. That makes sense. Like, I mean, that's it. <laughs> if I stop wanting to physically like sleep with you after fucking someone new, then that's a different conversation, right? But if I'm still excited to like sit on your face at the end of the day <laughs> after just sitting on some other person's face, I mean, it's a win-win to me. We'll just be happy. We're happy. So you're married, you're polyamorous, you got two girlfriends. But again, I know you through a vanilla kink adjacent event. So let's dive into that a little bit. Have you always been kinky? No, no, I've not always been kinky. And honestly, I currently struggle with identifying with whether I identify as kinky or not. I think that mm. more than anything, I think that the kink space has been a, an area where my polyamory could flourish. And, and kink is fun. Kink is fun. But I don't need kink. I don't need the dungeons. You know, I, I spend I spend more time at happy hours and educational kink events than at like play parties, right? I'm not a, mm. I'm not a swinger. The last thing I want to do with my partners who I've put tons of time and energy and resources into is to like take them somewhere where somebody else can reap the, some of the benefits without doing the work. So yeah, so like, you know, the, the kink space has allowed my polyamory to flourish. But I don't know if I am kinky. Oh, interesting. I mean, and you you lead groups about that. I lead kinky. groups. I got a toy bag. Like I know my whack yeah. and flog right, left-handed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like I, I, I like to learn new things. And so, you know, kink mm. was something new that I was learning. And uh, yeah, and I that, that's really what it is. I really am a, I'm a dork and I, I'm a student. I'm a perpetual student. And when I encounter something new that I'm interested in, I want to learn as much about that thing as I can. Okay. So are your, I know you said your wife is vanilla. Are your other two partners in kink as well? So my a longtime girlfriend used to be in kink, but sort of is not really interested in it anymore. And my current girlfriend is super new to kink and still kind of like figuring it out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I'm, I'm a kink newbie. Everybody at home knows this, but just so I can say it out loud again on this episode. This is your first episode listening to Monogamish Pod. I'm a kink newbie. So I've done the basics with romantic partners and that's like, you know, tying people up sometimes, you know, 
choking, you know, so a little breath play, you know, there's some gagging involved. I feel like once you're with someone for long enough, you'd be trying shit anyway. So I don't really consider that like kinky. Like I wasn't kinky. I was just with my man. We were just trying shit to see if we liked it or didn't like it. And doing those things, I know I like certain types of things. So like I do like some kind of impact play. I do like some breath play. I like, you know, a candle wax stuff. So I like some things, but it's never been like, a, oh, I must have these to engage yeah. in a romantic or sexual relationship. So as I have gotten older, I'm interested in exploring different sides of things and of myself. I was like, cool, let's learn more about kink. Let's learn more about impact, the things that are interesting to you. So I'm not a perpetual student the way you are. I'm not trying to do these things. I'm trying to have these things done to me so I know how I feel about them first. And then I can think about doing them. You know, like I want to try as much as I want to try to see like, okay, do I like this? Do I want to learn how to do this to someone else? Like the event I went to, the first kink event I ever went to was I think at Baltimore Playhouse Mm -hmm. in like November or something. And someone had a violet wand. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. What is that? They're like, oh, it's a violet wand. Do you want to try it? I was like, like not on somebody, but like, sure, I want to see how it feels. And I was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> like, okay, well, let's try that other one. Okay. And you see the different, you know, attachments, different feelings, mm-hmm, different sparks mm-hmm. in different places. And I was like, okay, I can never have this in my house. That's been all my time doing this to myself. That's not cool. Because <laughs> hey. I also know my personality, right? So... <laughs> Have you seen the tens units before? I have, yeah. With I've seen those. Yeah. I, I, I heard had, about those as well. I had somebody wrap one of those around the shaft of my dick. That sounds stressful in a good way. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a very like low low frequency, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was cool. You know, I'm I'm open to trying new things. Right. And so for me, like that's something I'm like super interested in. I've seen Fireplay. It looks cool. I was like, oh, I want to try that too. And so I'm open to trying a lot of different things, but I do still have my hard limits, right? Like, and I've always felt this way. I don't do clamps of any kind. Do not clamp me. I do not like it. It is painful and not pleasurable. There is no way that I can get to the pleasure in this because this is just an intensely painful sensation. So this is a no for me. Hard and you, you probably don't like to be pinched either. I do not like to be pinched either. I do not. Ooh, I'm I, a little bit of a pincher. Ugh. No, I, I can be bitten. I can be scratched, Ooh, okay, but you, can, okay. you cannot pinch me. <laughs> that will immediately just like trigger things like, oh no, I don't want this. I have the ick. I'm done now. And <laughs> that will take me completely out of an experience. You know, one of the things that that does draw me into kink is if I have a partner that's interested in trying something, right? And that's not exclusive to kink. If I have a partner that wants to try a new thing, I want to be the one to, you know, introduce that thing to them. I want to become like as much of an expert as is reasonably possible on that thing and, and to be the one to show them this new thing. As you know, I'm open to like taking them somewhere where they can experience a thing. Like that time I was at the crucible and this dude was walking around with a sign that said ask me about foot stuff and i was there with 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 two people you know i had him come over and service their feet which he eagerly did and uh, but yeah but but if i can do a thing to my partners instead of having someone else do it i i would love to be the one to to do the thing but if it's like some advanced level stuff like fire or fire flogging I want to let the professional do it. Yeah, you let the professional do that. That sounds safer. Hey, so, speaking of fire, real quick, mm-hmm. next month's a Black and Kinky event at Crucible on July 28th is a fire, wax, and electro event. 
you had these events that I'm not going to be in town. I'm supposed to fucking be in Norway on that day. And I hate it here. I'm okay? sorry. Norfolk, Virginia? Nor- Norway. <laughs> what? In, in uh, Norway, the country. Um, Obviously not looking for a partner. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. No. Every time you host these events, I'm not in town and I stay mad all the time. I was like, wow, you choose the one day that you know I'm not going to be here. Not that you're consulting my calendar to make these, but you're like, oh, it's like fire. I'm like, I love fire play. I want to (laughs) go. And I can't. I made a FetLife account the other day, y'all, for listeners at home. And it's weird for me. So full disclosure, I used to be on FET when I was like 17, 18 or whatever. I was much younger and I used to be on FET. Obviously, and I was in Jamaica. So like I had just put that I was 18. <laughs> so I was like too young to be on the website, but I was on the website. I was curious. I didn't talk to anyone. I would just, I would just be nosy. I used to also be on A for A. Yes, I know I'm not a gay man. Thanks. Gay men who are like been in the shit for a long time know what A for A is. <laughs> I was on a lot of sides. I was curious about sex. I was trying to learn all the things and like, where do I fall on the spectrum? Like, I feel like I'm bisexual at the time. I ended up identified as such. Now I'm pansexual. You know, I was exploring a lot of different elements of my life, but I did have a fit life account like way, way, way before it was cool. <laughs> it was when you were like, you had to be hardcore into the thing to like get on the thing. And there are wow. also way less rules on the internet. So it didn't count, but I've created an intentional account. I don't have any like real photos or anything on there. I don't post anything on there. I'm only on there because Rowdy's always like, Oh yeah, the event's happening. Like, you know, we do whatever, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, he's like, where's the event? I'm on Facebook. I don't see it. He's like, Oh, it's on FET. Fuck. <laughs> so now I'm here. You leak kink events. You're, you're big on the FET life and all these things, I, I assume, doing all the stuff. So tell me what leading events here in D.C. is like. Yes, I live in D.C. We all know this, okay? I'm not, it's not a secret. Yeah. So the events that I lead are almost exclusively aimed at people of color. And so, you know, and I've, I've, I've led several different POC groups in Baltimore, Baltimore Playhouse, at Crucible, virtually. And, you know, some of them like, you know, are open to everyone attending, but these groups are definitely aimed at people of color. And it's been really rewarding, you know, just to just to be like a conduit where people can, you know, come experience this thing in a a safe space around people that they feel comfortable with. Because, you know, I'm sure almost every person of color has been like the only person of color at an event or a restaurant or a a function before. And it's like, you know, an, an, an odd feeling. And so to cre- create and cultivate these spaces where people of color feel comfortable, it, it feels great. I yeah. wish I could tell my parents. <laughs> I, I mean, there's that was another question. Like, did your family know anything about what you're doing, Rowdy? No. no. My, my, so they, they do, they don't know about kink. They know about polyamory, but it's, it's, a, it's a taboo topic and they have asked to not know. I mean, and that's okay. Don't ask, don't tell, right? There we go. Yeah, you know, we could talk about the black church on another episode. The group that you lead primarily, that's Black and Kinky DC, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. So that's the same on FetLife. Do you have like a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Instagram, yep. On FetLife and on Instagram, it's Black and Kinky DC. Okay. So that's what y'all need to follow if you want to get into Black and Kinky events in DC geared towards people of color. So do, you said that some people allow like the others to come inside? Like, do, do you allow the others to come to your events? Yes, yes, yes. I was, a, I was part of a group out of Baltimore Playhouse that was the, their educational arm, and it was a POC group. And we, we had meetings every month, and once per quarter, we allowed, you know, others to come into the space. 
And after about a year of doing that, the people who were attending the event, the people of color, voted to have no events where, where people of no color were invited. And so we moved to we moved to only POC events. And um, mm-hmm. and that was cool for a time, but you know, the pandemic disrupted that. And you know, Black and Kinky DC were really not a POC exclusive event, even though yeah. very few, very, very few persons of no color attend our events. Yeah. It's probably people who are like partnered with black people. Yeah, or people, people are partnered color. with or people who are just, you know, super allies or people who stumble into the event and don't realize. Yeah, that happens. So the one, the event that I went to, I was like, who are these white people? Why are they just standing here? Yeah, they but probably I, weren't there for very long. But exactly. I, you know, we, they just we stumbled want, in. We, we want people to feel more comfortable in these spaces. That's the goal. And, you know, if, if, a, if a white person comes into one of these events and sees what we're doing, maybe they'll realize how important this is, the need for this, and, and also the need to create spaces that are more comfortable for people of color so that we wouldn't need to feel like we had to have our own space. So my question for you now is if you could tell childhood you just learning how to be a cheater, all this shit out here, where you were at right now in your life. Like, how do you think childhood you would react? And do you have any advice you'd want to impart on them? Man, if if I could have avoided all of the cheater phases, that that would have been dope. My trajectory would have been bananas. There's this dude in Brazil who has recently married nine women and nine. Yep, they're all living together. And it is amazing just to watch his Instagram. But yeah, if I if I had started this journey much, much sooner, like, you know, I might have like workshop series that I went around and, you know, taught this to hundreds of, of people at a time. Childhood you, how do you think they'd be looking on in this moment? Kind of like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like, we can do this? My childhood me would be watching current me just like, weeping with joy i sometimes it sometimes things are so fantastic that it it, it brings a tear to my eye like quite you cancer of course you cry so rowdy thank you for joining me for this you know brief episode just tell people a bit about you a bit about what you do looking forward to the book in the future so why don't you tell people where they can find you on the interwebs sure the best place to find me is on fetlife living my best life no dashes or spaces, just living my best life on FET. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy about that page. And I recently started Twitter. My Twitter handle is Polyam Pro. Okay, so living my best life on FET Life and Polyam Pro on Twitter. Ken, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me on. Once again, I would love to thank Rowdy for joining me today on the podcast. You can, of course, find the links to where to find Rowdy on FET and on Twitter in the detailed show notes at monogamishpod.com. The video of the interview will, of course, be posted on the YouTube channel. Just search for monogamishpod on YouTube and there we are. And where else can you find the podcast? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at monogamishpod. Do I post very often? No, I'm really bad at my own social media. I'm better at doing everyone else's. So that works great for me. I'm saying like it's fantastic for me. Of course, you can subscribe to the monthly Monogamish Pod newsletter to find out what happened on Monogamish Pod this month and maybe what I'm watching, people that I'm following who are super interesting, great stories. You know, I'm a great writer. 
And so I think even if you don't care what's happening with me, you will really enjoy my newsletter because I'm a great writer. So monogamishpod.substack.com, go on ahead and do that. You can also support this podcast financially or by buying merch. Let's talk about the merch first. You can go to monogamishpod.threadless.com, get your monogamish merch. I just put some new merch up on there, celebrating our Patreon called the Monogamish Brata. Like the Brata is like the extra. So there you go. I know, I, very Jamaican of me. I can't help it. I can't help it. The other thing I was thinking about recently is what do you call your romantic partner? that's not boyfriend or girlfriend and for me sometimes partner is a weird thing right because I use the term partner to talk about a person's relationship to me in terms of like life partnership like they've been together for a long time or as a quick catch-all to be more gender inclusive I've seen joyfriend I've seen toy friend I've seen of course you know babe sweetie darling my love things like that so that's gonna be my poll this week what is a gender neutral word for boyfriend girlfriend that you use to call your romantic peeps that's the question for this week anyway if you want to support the podcast financially you can head on over to anchor.fm slash monogamish pod click the support button you can support us for as low as 99 cents a month it's 99 pennies it's nothing you can also go up to a thousand dollars a month which i would also greatly appreciate just saying just just you can do that I talked about the Patreon where you actually get bonus content when you subscribe to the Patreon, access the close friends that's on Instagram, access to the Discord server, bonus episodes depending on what tier you're at, ask me anything. It's like you get a lot of access to me on the Patreon depending on what level you choose. So head on over to patreon.com slash monogamishbud. You can also just like wear the merch. Like I said, we look great. We look fantastic. Monogamishpod.threadless.com. You can also donate to me directly because honestly, this is all me. This podcast is all me. You can hit up my Cash App or my Venmo. Have you met Jen? J-H-E-N for Jen. We talked about where you can find it on social media, the newsletter, the merch shop, donating money to me directly via my Cash App or Venmo or Anchor Support and all those things. We talked about the Patreon. We talked about a lot of stuff in addition to all the weird things I mentioned earlier. Let's talk about officially where you can find the podcast. Like, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, Podchaser, Stitcher. I'm just, we're, we're kind of everywhere. We're kind of wherever you get your pods. And of course, like I said, the video for this episode will be up on the YouTube channel. And so I think that's all I have for you today. I don't think I remember to say anything else or need to say anything else. But once again, I'm Jen. This is Monogamish Pod and see you in two weeks. Bye, everyone. <laughs>